Hey, I'm David Rowe, and I'm Ben's guest on Big Fat Five. What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is the bearded bandit of hours of my time, thanks to his infectiously entertaining YouTube channel, Mr. David Rauf, aka R. David R. I've been watching his videos for years, and they're chock full of drum tips, tricks, hacks, and DIY projects. He even made one about a DIY version of a certain company that supports this podcast, but he ultimately came around and recommended snagging the official version, so water under the bridge. While he does showcase his playing a lot in the videos, he doesn't really talk about his playing, so I wanted to chat about just that, because he's a solid player. If you haven't yet, go check out his YouTube videos. He's hilarious, and I just love his channel. The dude knows his way around a garage, and his beard gives mine a run for its money. Anyway, here are the five-ish records that shape David's style behind the kit and beyond. Pretty cool. So now let's hear it with some music. I do want to start off by saying a lot of your videos reference other videos that you're kind of like working on. So how many videos are you actively doing at one time? Oh man. Uh, I used to like really be on the grind and like, Oh, I got time to start this other one. And you know, uh, another thing too was like, you know, if I had an idea, I was like right on it because if I didn't jump on it, I'll just forget about it or lose, you know, motivation to do it or interest in it. Yeah. Um, but now it's kind of gotten to the point where I have just too much going on and like at the most I'll do like two or three videos at a time, but it's not like, okay, let me film this for five, you know, and five hours and then this other one for five hours. It's like, I'll work on one for a day and like, Oh, let me do this for a little bit. And it's like very off and on. So it's not like, mentally straining i guess yeah because a lot of your videos it's like you know i have to let this sit for 24 hours or blah 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 so it's yeah exactly yeah um do you consider yourself i mean i'm kind of looking behind you i mean do you consider yourself an organized person <laughs> uh no not at all um it's I mean, crazy you, you i mean it looks this. like you are i i try to be but like when i'm like working no not at all um but I would say, like, my studio and my workshop, I try to keep organized because, obviously, I'm in there the most. Um, but if I'm, like, balls deep in a project, it's, like, it's chaos. It's 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 hell in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not good at segues. So, and I heard you on, on the Drumio Gab talk about it, um, that you used to have a speech impediment. And I bring it up because I <laughs> used to have one as well. So, what, what was yours again? Uh, it was saying R's, especially, like, O-R-L words, like, world or... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of another example, but like anything with R. So like my last name is Rauf. So like <laughs> you're I, I screwed. <laughs> I couldn't even say my last name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was bad. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I went to like you know you know speech classes as in like elementary school, um, and like there's still some words I struggle with, but for the most part, it's it's all right, I guess. 
Yeah, I was with ours too. Um, and my dog's name was Murphy growing up. And so yeah. I called, I called him Mophie. <laughs> and even when I, when I got better at speaking, um, he would only respond to me when I said Mophie. <laughs> it was weird. He would only wag his tail. Um, but yeah, my, my speech impediment or my speech doctor, whatever you say, mm-hmm. um, uh, his name was Mr. Nitschke. And it was like the hardest thing to say <laughs> if you have a speech impediment. Yeah. I'm like, just like call yourself Mr. N or something. But yeah. he would like call us out. And every Thursday I'd like, hey, Ben, I have to walk across the whole class because I knew I couldn't say my R's. It was quite. And I always like, I mean, I, I think I speak well enough now, but I always tell people like, if you ever feel super amazing about who you are as a person, record yourself like you do always as well. Like you overdub a lot. It's like that'll bring you right back down to earth. Oh, it's but, it, um, it, it can be bad sometimes. Like I just did a voiceover the other day. I'm like, okay, let me just type it out and do it. And like, like oh, this will take five minutes, but then it takes like 30 minutes. And then you listen, it's like, uh, let me actually just do it again. And it, I'm never happy whenever I no, do voiceovers. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I would say the the most time consuming part of this freaking podcast is the intros because I'm like, okay, you're too excited, Ben. Calm down. Or like, yeah. hey, you stutter on this because stuttering was also a big thing for me too. But. So when it, when it comes to the process of like the the background beats and stuff, what what percentage of it is stuff that you make versus stuff that you find kind of on on stock libraries? Yeah. Um. So, I guess in the beginning phases, it, it was all me, all stuff that I made, mm-hmm. and I was I was super proud about like yeah, these videos are like a hundred percent me. Like I film everything, I edit everything. It's all my music. You know, it's me drumming. It's me presenting everything. Obviously. Um. But as, and see, another thing too, and we can talk about more this, more about this later, but uh, I kind of started like production and beat making around the same time that I started my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So they kind of like blended well together and I kind of had a purpose for the beats like, oh, well, you know, I'm not really selling them. I can put out like a beat tape that no one's going to listen to, but I can at least use them in these videos. And then kind of the YouTube thing kind of took off and I kind of lost time, you know, I didn't really have the time to to make beats, um, even though I I still miss it to this day. But I haven't made a beat in like I don't know, like four years probably. So now all the stuff, oh, wow. I, yeah, it's 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 bad. <laughs> but <laughs> and it's sad too because like I have my MIDI keyboard and my like record player all like set up right here. Like if I wanted to, but I just I just don't. <laughs> but uh, all the stuff now I I have a uh, this uh there's this uh, website and I have like a a thing with them. So it's cool too because. I use it all for the background music and then also I can download all the stems and remove the drums mm. and then use those for like the play alongs basically. And it's all royalty free. So no, it's crazy. Uh, one of the cool things about following you, cause I've watched your videos for years. It's like the progression of your, your <laughs> audio engineering has, has become, I mean like your drums, I mean the earthwork, um, earthworks mics are amazing as well, but like, you're just the sounds you have captured. It's, it's fun to see that arc, not arc. Cause that implies that it then goes down the other side. <laughs> it's just an upwards trajectory. Yeah. yeah well, you really screwed up the last three months. But, yeah. But, right. Uh, no. <laughs> well, uh, in the beginning, like I didn't like mix at all. I was like, all right, let's EQ these a little bit, like pan the toms and the overheads. And then I like, you know, I should probably like figure out how to mix and like, at least, you know, make it sound halfway decent. And, yeah. uh, for a minute, like I was like really into mixing. And then again, it got to the point where it's like, you know, I, I can mix this stuff, but is this taking too long? Let me just hire someone to do it. So honestly, the reason you probably saw a big jump 
at some point, and that's because I hired someone to start mixing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So if it, go, if it does go back down, it's because I fired him and I started to mix it. <laughs> <laughs> if the arc happens, then it's all David. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do, you, do you consider yourself a funny guy? Uh, you know, yes and no, but mainly no, because... I have such like a dry sense of humor and like, you know, dad jokes are like funny yeah. to me and it's like very like nuanced, I guess. And like, you, you don't really like understand my sense of humor until you like either watch all my videos or like hang out with me. Um, cause I, I feel like I'll say like the funniest thing and like, I'll, I won't laugh, but everyone else <laughs> starts laughing, you know? So it's, so I, I know, it's hard to explain, but no, I wouldn't consider myself like super funny, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's just because your videos. Yeah. I mean, you ex described it well. They don't necessarily have it's not like you're trying to get a yuck, but they have this this over this kind of overarching theme of like levity behind them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's that was, I just wanted to compliment you as well as trying <laughs> to say not to put you on the spot. Like, do you think you're funny? Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Well, let's get into your top five. And so uh, also going back to your videos, I mean, you, you've also seen you progress as a player. I mean, oh, not that you were ever definitely. bad, but um, I mean, and what I like about your videos, too, is you don't you don't do like, uh, hey, here's me uh, working on this snare drum, and then you just blast chops, and you're like, okay, uh, this is this is really why he's doing the YouTube channel. <laughs> you actually just like play drums that are just you hold it down, and it's it's solid, it's fun to listen to, and you actually showcase the drums, which is you're very cognizant of that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I haven't really seen you talk about yourself as a drummer that much in your videos. So that's kind of why I wanted to have you on to talk about this. For sure. And uh, before we start, actually, yeah. I always joke saying. That like, you know, people's like, oh, I want to start a YouTube channel, but like, I suck at drums. I'm like, look at me, like, I suck at drums, and my channel's doing fine, so go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't agree with you in that, but I, I, I do know what you mean. Um, <laughs> that's the reason why I don't do a lot of things. But um, <laughs> all right, so number one, and uh, maybe, maybe this is what I assumed one of your first picks would be, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Iron Maiden. So it is the album is Power Slave by Iron Maiden came out in 1984. And uh, your song choice was the titular track Power Slave. Yep. Um, it's Nico on drums. So let me just uh, play a little bit of it and you can talk through it and then we can continue after the song's done. Yeah. I don't think I know this song, by the way. All right. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The fills in uh in like these sections are what really like made me love this song. Sure. Tell me why I have to be a power slave. I don't wanna die, I'm a god, why can't I live on? When the light never dies, no. 
that's basically the whole song. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where were you when you heard that? Like, what's yeah? What impact did that have in your life? Man, uh, so not to like get too deep into it, but so I Please started playing. <laughs> I started playing drums. Uh, I was I was in middle school, and I had a friend that started playing guitar around the same time. And he was like all into like Jimi Hendrix and like classic rock and everything. And, uh, you know, his dad had all these classic rock CDs. So we would like, you know, go through them and listen to them and like burn our own CDs. And I remember I found this like Black Sabbath album. I was like, oh, wow, this is like heavier. I like this a lot more than like the, you know, Boston and, and you know, other classic rock stuff. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I got into like very surface level, like metal, like Metallica, obviously. But uh, I remember listening I was watching TV and saw uh, a VH1 commercial and it had the track Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden on it. And again, like the giant, like 16 note descending Tom fills on like 18 different times. I heard that. I was like, oh my God, this is like insane. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I was like, I got to find this, this, uh, this CD and like listen to the whole song. Cause this is like right before the, you know, iTunes thing popped off. So I went to like a CD store or a music store trying to find this Iron Maiden CD, but they didn't have it. So I found the Power Slave album, which again, me in middle school seeing this, like the, the album covers like them in Egypt with like the pyramids and the, the Sphinx and everything. And I was like hieroglyphs on the back. I'm like, yo, this is awesome. Like this, this is going to be the best CD ever. And yeah, uh, look at that right now. Jesus. <laughs> right. And, uh, I mean, very subtle. The, the Iron Maiden's like sound is so like, so there it matches their their image like so well um which is probably why i was so drawn to that album but uh, when i first heard power slave immediately i felt like i was like in egypt like building a pyramid and uh <laughs> and again just like the the big open like the drum fill into it and again just like he has like like 20 different toms and it's all like simple stuff you know fills and like playing really but it's it fits the music and it's super catchy and Again, I just wanted to be like a cool metalhead and have like 20 toms. <laughs> and so now, yeah, most, most of the kits you play are just one up, one down, maybe two down. Is that just because it's just too, do you not have enough space? Or do you secretly want to always play like that? <laughs> uh, so, well, it's funny because I, I, I had this one kit, it was a four piece, and then it had these like weird sizes and I started to buy like extra drums for it that were smaller and they were more, you know, my sound, I guess. And, uh, Again, it's still like middle schoolish era, and I remember like, sweet, I have like all these toms now, and I set up this like, I guess it was like a seven piece, like three up, two down, and I I, I hated it. I was like, this is stupid. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, these are too many drums, and I didn't know how to set up a drum set back then, so the angles were probably all jacked up, anyways. Um, well, then you have to have your hi hat too far to the left, it, and yeah. it just it's awkward. Yeah. Uh, but no, the the main reason I guess I play a, a four piece. First of all, I feel like I, I don't really need extra times uh but just the ride symbol placement like where the the second rack time would be is like i'm so used to the the ride being there so it's like uh, it's just what i do now i guess yeah i i think there's one time randomly i was bored at a show and i put like my two crash symbols kind of like i guess the guy from um simple plan he had two crash symbols kind of like where like trey cool has them and then he's still i guess it'd more be more like trey cool too up there and then he has his ride symbol still where you would have it if you had two toms mm -hmm. and it just it was like one of the worst shows i've ever had <laughs> yeah. every fill felt weird um even though the drums didn't move at all but um i know what you mean yeah yeah but no, I, I still, like, I think the biggest kit I've had set up in here is, like, a seven-piece, uh, or, yeah, I guess, yeah, seven-piece, three up, two down, snare kick. Um, 
and like it was like 8 10 12 14 16 or something uh so you know the smaller sizes make more sense of course you know when you have bigger drums like or a bigger drum set um and i feel like now i can i can you know i can hang on a, a seven piece but I, it's not like every day i, I need one so yeah. i don't i don't really bother setting one up or even i don't even own a seven piece so <laughs> well i thought about it like like metal bands i'll just say metal bands generically uh sorry but um <laughs> it's like how did they tour clubs you oh, know like God. at what point yeah. did the drummer just be like i just i hate the fact that i have this many drums and like <laughs> it's like they have to just start at like bigger clubs or arenas like i don't could slipknot did they did they do like i don't know kilby court in south salt lake city <laughs> like do they ever do that or do they just start at the arena i have no idea but that, that yeah, is a I, good 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 question I've, I've never even thought about that <laughs> it's like they had this yeah uh Hey, y'all, I wanted to, <laughs> I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve Six tour, and I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye all right, well, let's move on to number two. Cool. Um, very, very nice little detour. So this is this is good. It's um is it pronounced Steve Reich? I'm so bad. Um honestly, I think it's I've always said Steve Reich, but Reich. I, I could be wrong. Um and you talked about the last track was seven minutes. So this one's like twenty minutes, so <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so this is the album's just called Drumming, uh, by Steve Reich, and it came out in nineteen seventy. So um well, it's the it's and see, I don't know if I would consider this like an album. It's more of like a piece of music. Okay. Um, so it's all like one continuous thing. Oh, so okay. If you want to play like the first bit of part one and then skip forward, you'll get the idea, I guess. <laughs> Sounds like a cool room. Right? Or a cool plug-in. <laughs> Thank you. 
This is cool. Yeah, so 40 minutes of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it's... laughs> wow, thanks, Dave. <laughs> I, I at least want to hear where this goes. So what, it's been like less than a minute and it's doing this much, so just imagine <laughs> the future. <laughs> I should mention, these are all bongos, actually. Bongos? Yeah. Is it just him, or is there more than one drummer? There are six players. I think at this point, like, three or four of them are playing. They all, like, gradually come in. That last one's like, why'd we invite him? Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's Michelangelo right there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, what what about this this record really? Why did it make it into in your top five? Yeah. Um, see, I, I was like debating, like, should I add this one? Because like, as far as like a drum set standpoint, it doesn't really like, I mean, it does, you know, it has influenced my drum set playing in a way, but uh I guess I went through like a, a phase or a chapter where I was like super into like playing barimba and like percussion and everything. And like, you know, if, if my like plans worked out, you know, school wise and with college and everything, I probably would have been doing that instead of what I'm doing now. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Right. I, I never really talk about that. So, uh, um, but yeah, like, uh, so with, with that, actually, when I started playing drum set, I studied with a, a guy named Scott Clark, coolest dude you'll ever meet. Like, he will say like three words to you and you'll be like, damn, the guy's like really cool. And, <laughs> God, and, I love uh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, just like the calmest dude, chillest dude. And, uh, like, so picture me like in middle school wanting to play Iron Maiden and Metallica with a full and, beard. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then Scott, who was this like straight up like jazz dude. Right. And, uh, so every so often I'd you know, walk into a lesson, sit down and, and he'd like put a CD in and be like, listen to this. And, uh, just tell me what you think. So we'd sit there for two or three minutes listening and you'd be like, all right, what do you think of that? And most of the time it's just like this weird shit that just like was way over my head. I had no idea what was going on. Like one time he played something, it was like this weird, like avant-garde, minimalist, freeform, noise jazz or something. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And uh, he's like, oh, well, what, what do you think of that? I'm like, I don't know, it, sound, it sounded like noise, I guess. He's like, oh, well, that was my band. I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. But one day he played this. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. And then, again, we skipped ahead a little bit, and I was like, okay, this is weird. Like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> and, again, he's like, he's like, what do you think of that? I was like, oh, it sounds like you threw, like, a bongo factory, like, down an elevator shaft. Um <laughs> And again, like, it was just over my head, like, I couldn't, like, appreciate that type of music. Mm -hmm. But if we fast forward to, I guess I was in high school, my sophomore year, uh, they offered a music theory class. So I took that and, uh, I, you know, it was 
you know, very basic elementary theory, but I'll skip through like in the book just to like look at stuff. And there's a chapter on like minimalism and minimalist music. And there's a, a, a chapter or page on Steve Reich. And uh, I was like, where have I heard this name before? This sounds familiar. So I go online, Google it and start, you know, watching and listening to all the stuff. And then drumming pops up. I'm like, oh shit, this is what Scott played me. And like, all of a sudden, like, like, you know, I've, my brain had matured. I wasn't like a smooth brain musician anymore. And I could like appreciate and like understand this music a bit more. And, uh, as far as like, you know, classical music and all that, I never was like into it. So like learning about like chord structures and this and that was just like, Oh, I don't care. But like hearing this and like, I just like meshed with my brain. So like re-energized my like passion for like percussion and, and drumming, I guess. Mm-hmm. What uh, what made you decide to not do it ultimately? Um, I guess uh, I, I I it was mainly so in high school like I sucked at like everything like as far as like <laughs> <laughs> like 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 all my classes like I couldn't do math like self talk yeah no <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know I didn't like have the grades really to like go into like the schools I wanted to and also I was like very like I don't want to say scared but very like you know, you talk to anyone like, oh, you're going to be go to school for like music performance. Like, what are you going to do with that? You should do this and get a job with that. So, again, in high school, like, uh, like, what do I do? And you start freaking out. And I was like, eventually I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to pursue like a music school or, you know, anything with music um, at a higher education. And I'll just do something else, which like, looking back, it's like, why did I do that? But I'm here now, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I, those, when you're younger, that outside influence makes a big difference, and oh, it yeah. sucks, but, uh, but yeah, yeah I, I can relate, yeah. And, like, honestly, too, like, my, so I guess my, my mom's sisters, so my aunt, like, their family are, is very musical, but other than that, like, no one else is musical, and I, I guess I was the first one to, like, go into college, you know, that played music, so, you know, the family wasn't, I mean, they were supportive, obviously, but like, again, it was like, are you sure you want to do that? So, I mean, do you, do you still own any marimbas or do you ever uh, tickle that yeah, every once in a while? I, I do. Uh, it's not my mom's house, so uh, I need to get it at some point. And then I actually bought a set of vibes and I was like, sweet, I have a set of vibes. They're smaller. I can like keep them in my house. And uh, a friend was like, hey, man, can I rent those vibes from you? I'm like, sure. So now they're <laughs> at his house. I'm like, all right, well, so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that's cool. I, I definitely think that um, that's the kind of record that I should probably start and just listen to the whole thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. Like, just lay down in bed, like, going to sleep, just put it on, and, like, it's, it's crazy. And apparently it looks like he recorded it a million times. So I chose <laughs> the one that he recorded somewhat recently, but uh, I'm assuming it's just a, just a bunch of motifs, and then each time he records it, it's it's a little different. So, But cool. All right. Well, let's go on to number, two, uh, number three. Um this is uh, Nas, and it's uh, Illmatic from 1994, a New York State of Mind. And the drummer on this <laughs> was uh, produced by DJ Premier, who sampled Cool in the Gang, so technically George Brown. Yeah, I, I had to Google that, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, we had people come in, they like the, you know, A Tribe Called Quest, and we're like, I don't know who the drummer was, Q-Tip, I guess, but yeah. um, cool. All right, so uh, yeah, New York State of Mind. Let's just, let's just go ahead and play that. I have no idea who George Brown is, by the way. I didn't either, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
out the fucking dungeons of rap But fake niggas don't make it back I don't know how to start this Rappers are monkey flipping with the funky rhythm I be kicking, musician, inflicting composition A pain, I'm like Scarface, sniffing cocaine Holding an M16, see with the pen I'm extreme Now, bullet holes left in my peak holes I'm suited up with street clothes Hand me a nine and out defeat foes Y'all know my stilo, with or without the airplay I keep some E and J, sitting bent up in the stairway Or either on the corner, betting grants with the CeeLo champs Laughing at bass heads, trying to sell some broken amps G-packs get off quick forever we talk about minimalism, right? <laughs> I want to say Joe Chambers, who the piano sample, he's like a minimalist musician, I think. I think. I could be wrong, but yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's something that people like claim to be. I'm a minimalist musician. Yeah, oh yeah. That's like a okay. whole like genre. I, I want to say genre, but yeah, definitely. I'm assuming that beat just kind of keeps going through the whole song. Yep. And I didn't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I'm assuming it continues to be amazing, is what I should say. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess to go back to the other one, so minimalism is an actual genre. I, I, I thought that was just like an approach, but okay. Yeah, um, I guess technically it's a, a genre, but I mean, there's like minimalist composers like Steve Reich obviously would be one. Uh, Philip Glass, John Cage, uh, John Adams. Uh, there's a billion of them. Uh, Brian Eno. Um, mm. But I mean, you heard with like the Steve Reich piece. Uh, it's a lot of like looping and uh, I guess like simple rhythms that just like repeat forever and ever. But like eventually they change kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I could be wrong. But uh, the sample from New York State of Mind, uh, I think that he, it was Joe Chambers, is some piano guy, um, and he might be a minimalist composer. I I could be wrong on that, but maybe. <laughs> so yeah, which yeah. I, I I didn't even like realize that correlation. But again, I, I could be wrong. <laughs> so I'm assuming you use stuff like this when you were starting to make beats. I mean, these were huge influences on you from that perspective. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean. Uh, so I, I had another friend that, you know, he always had new music and different music. You know, we'd be we'd go to like Burger King. He'd be playing something one day and then the next day, something completely different. Right. And uh, he played this one day. I was like, yo, like, what is this? Because, again, like I graduated high school in 2010. So rap then was like Eminem, 50 Cent, you know, Waka Flocka, Lil Wayne, all that. So to hear this was like just like the starkest contrast ever. I was like, mm -hmm. this this is a thing like people make you know rap like this like what and uh i guess mainly it was and again it was mainly the the beats that i was drawn to because it's like actual drums actual instruments and um i guess you know thinking about it now like the minimalist like looping of like you know the basically they tell you the best part of the record and like loop it forever and ever um so i guess i was drawn to that too um but yeah basically like that album and then of course other you know hip-hop albums from like the 90s uh really play like, like a huge part in my life and like again i was so influenced by them that like i started to make my own beats and i would like go to record stores and you know get a stack of vinyl and bring it home and listen through it and then like sample stuff and like make my own beats so yeah yeah how can you talk about that a little bit what is your process of making beats 
Yeah. Uh, so in my my peak beat making days, uh, you know, I'd wake up, go to a record store or a thrift store or flea market, anywhere you could find vinyl, mm-hmm. um, find a stack that I thought looked cool or like, oh, I know this musician from this other one. Like, let me buy this. Maybe there's something cool on there. And just like, and then you know, get home, listen to it all. Um, and if I found something cool, like just like an open sound, I'll like sample that and then just save it to a library. Um, same thing with drums. If I found open drums, whether it be like an actual like drum loop or break, uh, I would sample that. I wouldn't maybe, I probably wouldn't use it, uh, you know, right then and there, but I would have it. And again, just save it all on the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as soon as I found like an actual vi- uh, actual sample, like actual like melody or baseline or, or anything that like spoke to me, <laughs> I would, I would sample that, you know, cut it up, you know, replay it, do whatever, loop it up. And then I'll go through, you know, the stash of drums that I've, you know, sampled from other records and then find ones that work again, cut them up, chop them up, you know, replay them, add different kicks, change the patterns, this and that. Um, and then usually like the baseline aspect of it, I'll like play it myself with my keyboard. Um, and then from there, like if it needed anything else, I would just play it, you know, through like MIDI. Um, mm-hmm. So it sounds like really simple, but honestly, like it took forever for me to like figure out how to do all that. <laughs> When you're when you're doing that, do you think of it in terms of structure, like there's a bridge and a chorus, or are you just kind of like, I want to get 16 bars and that's the groove, and then I'll just take out elements and whatnot? No, definitely. Um, if uh, most of the time, like I, I would think about it. So, and like if you listen to like any of my like beats, like they basically all have the same structure. But I'll do like an intro, I'll do like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then maybe like an outro. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the sample like allowed for it i'll do like a bridge or something but yeah like structure was like a, a huge part of you know making a beat because eventually i was like you know i want people to like rap on this and you know i want to sell beats and be a producer so like that sure. was important to me but in some cases like like in with new york state of mind it's just like the same loop basically forever and ever and like instruments fade in and out but um you know if i could i would you know structure it like actual song do you sing at all no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy I don't, but sometimes I wish I, I could. Because yeah. like, that's like a, a full stop for me. I'm like, nope, I don't do that. So that's yeah. one thing I don't have to worry about. Yep. Um, all right. Well, let's go on to number number four. And that is Cross Collateral. Uh, came out in 1975. The artist is Passport. And Homo... <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> like... Homunculus... Homunculus, yeah. <laughs> homunculus. Was, oh God! I was almost saying homonucleus, but that's see, not. There's not enough letters in that for it to be that. That's homunculus. what I thought it was too. I just, I'll just like glance. Oh yeah, homonucleosis. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So this is from. Yeah, it's from Passport, and the out the drummer is Kurt Kress, and you were nice enough to admit that you had to Google it. I didn't. Yep. I didn't. I don't know who this guy is, too. Which is the reason I why either. I do this podcast. So, um, all right. Well, let's let's look at uh, homunculosis. <laughs> <laughs> names in this record yeah oh yeah they're they're uh they're german i think 
drums sound cool. Them toms, yep. Damn. There's a lot of China in this, too. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> right? Oh, nice. Kurt Kress is. He's, he's killing it. Right? <laughs> this is really cool. And by the way, I have it queued up on Google. It's going to tell us how to pronounce this name. Sweet. <laughs> we'll listen to it in a second. <laughs> it is cool when I can, I mean, I can really hear this as an influence in a lot of your demonstration videos <laughs> um, in, a, in a really cool way. Yeah. Do you want, do you want to hear yeah, how, to, how to pronounce let's, this? <laughs> let's see how this goes. All right. I think you'll be able to hear this. Let's see. Okay. Homunculus. Ho homunculus? Let's do it. You can do it slow too. All right. Homunculus. <laughs> Homunculus. <Okay>. Homunculus. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, this uh, this is something I I found in, in my digging phase. You know, just going to a vinyl store and just finding random shit. Which, by the way, like if you ever try to find like new music, uh, just go to a record store, dig through the crates, find something that looks insane, the craziest album cover ever, and like you'll find some heat in there like guaranteed sure. <laughs> um which this is one of those things i saw the cover it's like this weird like exploded uh like not exploded but like expanded like airplane with these dudes eyes and glass i'm like what yeah, what is <laughs> i'm like what is this this gotta be crazy <laughs> wow yeah. yeah uh so honestly like i would that's how i bought most of my records like oh this looks cool but yeah um I'm glad you mentioned like oh man those drum sounds like you know at this point I'd been like digging and like I've, I've listened to like a, like every record and like every genre every you know decade every you know cultural uh, you know piece of music at this point it seemed like but like the drums on like that album just like blew my mind I was like wow, these sound like so good like even though they're like just average drums but it, mm -hmm. again I was just like blown away by them and uh the reason I picked that one is mainly just like the influence of the sound because it was at that point that I really like focused in on like, you know, his drums sound good. I should probably make my drums like sound good, like physically, not just like from a feel standpoint, but from like a, like actual sound standpoint. Mm -hmm. When it comes to all your drums that you have, and maybe you've talked about this in the videos and I missed it, but what would you say is your go-to just like this, this drum set just sounds the best. <laughs> Uh, as far as like my sound, uh, I guess my it's a Tama Imperial Star from mm. like the 70s or 80s. Um, 
at least the way I have it tuned right now, like it's super like dead and thuddy, but like full at the same time. I don't know how to describe it, but like it just records super well and like sounds good to me. Um, but if I was like, you know, I just need a drum set to play whatever, like I'll usually just pick that one, even though I should probably pick a different one. But uh, is yeah. that the one that's the natural finish? Is that the one you did um, the uh, the Led Zeppelin cover for by the Creek? <laughs> no, uh, that that's uh, Tama Superstar. A super, see, I know nothing about Tama. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, the the vintage stuff is like, uh, I mean, it's there. Obviously, there's like a, a few different lines and everything, but like even for me, it's just like figuring all the stuff out. Because I'll do like, like you think like the Ludwig nerds are bad, but the Tama nerds are like the worst because there's different like size re rings and like the different coatings and like they change so much stuff throughout the years and like everyone knows every single detail about everything and like oh well the serial number should be this on this drum that's a different drum than it came with the kid and i'm like do i care like yeah. I, like why do you know this <laughs> um but yeah i don't know i i kind of i've always kind of been drawn to like tama drums and then i kind of caught the vintage bug and uh i kind of always wanted a, a superstar which I finally got one, and it's, I really don't play it that much, which is kind of sad, but <laughs> I played it outside by my creek, so that was fun. How did you get... I mean, I guess you said you you, you pawn off your, your mixing duties to, to someone else, but that weirdly sounded so good outside. Dude, right? Like, <laughs> How the hell? I, <laughs> I got that mix back, and I'm like, did, did you use samples? <laughs> or like, like, what? Yeah, what the hell, man? <laughs> no, it's for um, a good cause, too. The video he's talking about is for... Um, the C's, right? Yeah, Team C's, yep. Team C's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like for every dollar donated, uh, a pound of trash was uh, uh, deleted from the ocean, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was freaking out about that, too, because I'm like, oh, man, I don't even have, like, logic on my laptop. Like, how am I going to do this? So I, I borrowed my friend's laptop, and then uh, I'm trying to think of the setup. I had, I think I, I used my Earthworks overheads in, like, XY for the overheads, actually. Okay. And then I had... So that was running through Logic, and then I have a like Tascam field recorder thing. Mm. So I, I had that has two inputs that I put uh, 57 on the snare, and then a D6 and the kick, and then it has an XY pattern for like the built-in mics. So I kind of use that as like a crotch mic mm -hmm. to to like pick up the toms because I kind of like face the toms. So I was like, yeah. oh, hof hopefully this works, and <laughs> I had to like. I had to, and again, like I recorded on Logic on this laptop, and then I had the field recorder, so I had to like line things up i'm like oh hopefully this works and uh because i i had like one day to film it and i had to i had to build a platform out I see, back. yeah i was gonna ask about that too <laughs> yeah um and it's like down this like hill so i'm like carrying all this stuff carrying my drums and my cymbals and like this video better like do well which it, it didn't <laughs> but it was fun so <laughs> which it didn't yeah yeah no that's I, I think maybe it's just because I've done so much stuff for Big Fat Snare Drum and whatnot, like behind the scenes stuff. That when I see stuff like that, all I see is like, oh, that was a day. That oh, yeah. was a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But honestly, like I, I love like the, that through and like that, like the behind the scenes stuff, like mm -hmm. and making it seem like the biggest thing about like filming videos and stuff is like is doing it in a way that it looks effortless, even though you spend a billion hours on it, you know, yep. for the viewer, it's like, Oh wow, that, that was cool. But in reality, <laughs> it took like nine years to like get everything straight, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I'm sure, and you've set up your studio to where it's like, it's like there's good lighting throughout the whole thing so that you can, like, you don't have to think about that as much anymore. At least it looks like in a lot of your videos. It's very yeah. well lit and stuff. Yeah, it's almost like too well lit. I need a, I, I, like, lighting is the one thing that, like, I know the least about. I, like, know enough to get by. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's, it's well, everything's, like, well lit. Um, and I, I try to make it as easy as possible. Like, all the drums are, like, set up, obviously, and, like, the mics are set up, so I just, you know, just go. Yeah. Um, so I think and that's what I try to do too. Um, or one thing I was like really like big into, especially at my old spot, was just like, okay, how can I make this as as efficient as possible to make it as easy as possible? So that way you're not like, oh, let me change the settings on my camera and set up this light and do this other stuff and all this stuff. When now I can just oh, let me flip this switch and now I have. A light, which I mean, you can't see, but <laughs> no, it did. No, I saw something happen. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That Let it be on. known, something did happen with the switch. Something happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go to number five. Sweet. Through being cool came out in 1999 by the artist Saves the Day. I love that you're that really is five very different things, which is yes. which is really cool. Not that I don't like it when other people have the same thing because it's obviously you know who they are, but. Just saying that for the record. Um, and the song choice is Last Lie I Told uh, by the band Saves the Day. And Brian Newman, uh, we both think that he's on that record. So let's just play, <laughs> let's just play that song. I like that you chose this record because there's a song by Devo called Through Being Cool, which is one of my favorite bands. Nice. That 90s A custom ride. Oh, yeah. Bass. I was gonna say that's a crunchy bass tone. Yeah. There's like a whole different song. This is cool. Get the little hi hat, hit right? Me. Squeeze it in. <laughs> yeah, squeeze it in. <laughs> That's cool. It's uh, I want to know who record. Like, I guess I can figure it out in the liners, but 
whoever engineered that, because he's he's smashing those symbols, but it still oh, right. sounds very pleasing. It's not like, you know, like there's. I think I always go back to that first all-time low record. I literally can't listen to it uh, because it's just tss, the whole time. <laughs> he's just washing on the symbols. It's like, dude, uh. get that record away from me. Um, but yeah, that that sounds really cool. Yeah, no, and like, and like hearing it now, also just like you can really appreciate like the production and everything. Like, like you're yeah. saying, like you know, back when we first hear, it's like, oh well, it's a cool song. But now it's like you can appreciate every aspect of it. You know, the recording and the playing, and obviously, um, yeah. But uh, it's funny that you brought up that uh, you could hear like the influence of that other one, uh, other track. You know, my playing. Mm-hmm. What I f- I feel like like this track like embodies like my playing at least when I first started my, my channel. Um, and you can like definitely hear like the direct influence of it. Actually, uh, uh, so I had a, f- a friend that was in a band. And he like got in trouble uh, and like couldn't play with them, couldn't play shows. So it was like, hey man, can you fill in for me while I like get my shit straight and like sure or whatever. And uh, it was pop punk, which I didn't even like listen to. Um, like this is like nerd music. Like I don't want to play this. But then he's like, "Oh, dude, just listen to Saves the Day and like just play what he does and like you'll be fine." I'm like, all right, whatever. And I, I hear this album like like this is actually like sweet. Like I I love this. He's such um, a good friend. Like whatever, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, like when I played in that band, like I like this again. It's funny he brought that hi hat thing. I was like, oh man, I gotta play like a hi hat fill now because he did it. <laughs> yeah, just right before the crash, just get it in there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so I did want to mention you did you mentioned some or you have some honorable mentions, <laughs> and so I definitely wanted to give Aaron Tate some some shout outs because he was on the show maybe a month ago. Okay. Uh, he's the drummer for or he was the drummer for Minus the Bear, yeah. um, and and the record Planet of Ice. So he talks about when he when they released that record, they had the whole like laser light show that they had at the, at the Pacific science center in Seattle. Um, it's a really cool episode. If you guys want to check it out, Aaron's an amazing drummer, but I did want to play some, some from that record. So was there any song from that record that, that you kind of wanted to showcase a little bit more than the other ones? Yeah. Uh, I think it's called nights. You know, it's funny, this is actually the song that I played as like the intro music to Aaron's episode. Nice. Because the drums are so cool right that. Yeah, that like linear, linear intro thing, so cool. This beat, I love this. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, Aaron, of course, is the worst at taking compliments, but uh, <laughs> he's such an amazing drummer. It's and very influential for sure. Oh hell yeah, yeah. Where were you when you when you heard this record? Because this this is not too far off from like, it seems like maybe listening to Saves the Day would have then brought you into this band, or maybe my timeline's off. I could be wrong, but I want to say they they had this, some like acoustic like guitar center uh, session thing. Mm. And I, I like saw that. I was like, "Oh, this is actually you know killing." You know, let me look into these guys, or maybe 
I, I just remember that video for some reason. Um, but I, I found that um, that album, and I, again, this is like mid two thousands, and like hearing that. Well, there's like a linear beat in there. Like I know what that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was like that was the first time I'd like like heard anything like that, like a linear beat like in a you know musical context that like sounded cool it wasn't just like yeah here's this like linear chop thing mm -hmm. um so and, and again just like the musicality and again like all the stuff that we play today is like very simple and very catchy i guess you could say um as far as the drumming goes which i feel like is what i try to do simple clean and catchy mm -hmm. um but something about like that song just like it's it's still killing so yeah well, I want to play one more, and then I'll let you go. But uh, and this is a band that I definitely need to get into. But King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, <laughs> yeah, uh, and Nana Nanagon Infinity, Infinity, Nanagon Infinity, Nanagon Infinity, yeah, Nanagon Infinity, yeah. Gosh, I, I should probably look these up before I read them out loud. <laughs> yeah, you got Google Translate, so I guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll trust you on that one. Yeah, yeah. which 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 uh, which song? I hope it's called Mister Beat. <laughs> Uh, it's not that one. Uh, Invisible Face. Okay. And they, they have two drummers, so. Oh, okay. Listen to the hi-hats.
he sings so low. <laughs> Where to go into it? Went into Mr. Leeway. Leeway, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quite the yeah. That's actually the next song on the on the King Gizzard record. <laughs> yeah, right. No, uh, that so I, that uh, so first of all, that album is like I get a seamless playthrough. Is that what it's called? Um, where it's just like loops or not loops, but it, like each song flows into the next. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. It's the and like. There's like this band. There's so much like lore behind like them, and they do all this like weird shit. And uh, like I want to say, Nonagon Infinity, like the album. I I forget, I don't know exactly. You have to like. There's so much like stuff like in their whole like little world that like they do. It's like so weird. Um, and they do a lot of like micro tonal music and shit. Uh, but for me at least, like that track, like hearing the two drummers and doing like the split rhythm stuff, mm-hmm. like like yo, this is like so cool. And again, it, like in a way, like kind of ties into like the Steve Reich stuff, where like there's like six different people people playing different rhythms, but it all like makes this one thing. Um, so whenever there's like two drummers doing two different things, like I, I eat that shit up. <laughs> all right, well that was your uh, big fat seven, I guess we could say. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, I'll link it in the bio, your YouTube. Um, it's just R David R. Yep. Um, same with uh, with your Instagram is the same thing. I mean, basically search R David R and people can find you. Yeah, you'll you'll find um, it somehow. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out and have a good day, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye!